Welcome to the Practice Advantage Podcast, brought to you by Healthy Eyes Advantage. I'm Dr. Justin Manning, Executive Vice President of Professional Strategies, and I'll be your host on your practice success journey. Running an independent eye care practice and business is hard work. We exist to make it easier. Here on the Practice Advantage Podcast, we bring you tips, tricks, and strategies from experts from within and outside the eye care industry that you can begin implementing in your practice today. Let's dive in. Today on the Practice Advantage Podcast, I'm joined by Mike Feinson, President of Engaged Strategies, a strategy consulting company leveraging design thinking to help businesses go from stuck to unstuck. Mike, welcome to the show and thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. And, you know, it's nice to have a chance to talk about some things that I'm excited about. And I think that your listeners maybe can get some value from. I, I appreciate it. I, I think our listeners are probably going to go, wait, wait, design thinking. I, I thought I was listening to a an eye care specific podcast. Mm-hmm. You know, many of our listeners may not even know of the term design thinking, what it is, you know, they certainly didn't go to business school. This is a concept that may be completely new. Can you walk through this concept with us? Sure thing. Yeah. So design thinking. So there's a whole body of research tools, theories, and professionals like myself, really, who who focus on organizational improvement, whether it be helping teams be more effective, helping organizations or practices be more efficient, helping organizations to better meet customer needs. And design thinking is just an approach to solving problems or innovating. And it came out of years ago out of designing uh, designing products, and it's been applied to a whole bunch of different challenges that organizations face. But the idea is that the world is very complex and rapidly changing, and you need a way to respond to that. Typically, what we do is when we, we have a problem, we quickly move to implementing a solution, and people get excited about one idea. And they end up spending a lot of time and resources to solve a problem to find out it doesn't work. And design thinking helps you to get beyond that. As a, as a framework, I suppose, as a concept, it, uh, it sounds like perhaps there's a little bit more, a little more work ahead of time on the front end to be a bit more efficient and effective in reaching a, a new solution on the back end. Is that a, a fair statement to, to make? Yes, exactly. A good part of it is about framing the problem up front, because often we think we know what the problem is and the root causes of that problem, and then we quickly work on resolving them, but we might be going after the wrong thing. So it it has a series of five steps, and, and the first one, I can walk you through the steps, is called empathizing. And it's the idea that we really need to understand other people's perspectives, whether it be customers, whether it be patients, and immerse ourselves in their world before we come up with ideas and try to implement it. And that's really the first step, which is around framing, which leads us into what we call the second step, which is typically defined, which is then articulating the problem is that you want to solve. And often we do it as a question, like, what's the best way to ensure our patients buy eyewear from us? Could be, for example, right? Or, or what's the best way to make sure that our patients come back for a comprehensive exam every year? That's a second step, which we call define or, or framing. 
when it comes to the empathize piece, one thing that uh, just sort of jumped out to me that our, I think our listeners can really capture and really relate to is from a patient care standpoint, we ask a lot of questions of our patients and, and we take a detailed case history. And, and many of us thinking back to our days of, of uh, you know, days of optometry school, let's say, you know, that we were told that the case history is the most important part of the exam. And that's what we do is we sit and, and listen, we ask questions, we dive deeper into understanding what the patient is experiencing. And, and it sounds like from a business standpoint, from a, a, a problem solving standpoint, they, they mirror each other. Very much so. If you're a problem solver, you have probably have a knack as, as, as a doctor or physician in asking those questions to diagnose what the problem is. I would just caution to be thoughtful and engage others in the process. Don't just ask one patient. Can you ask some of their staff what they've experienced? You want to capture a lot of data and immerse your world in the patient's experience, not just one patient, before you start coming up with solutions. So from a standpoint of that empathize and then ultimately refining and redefining and reframing to use the terms that you use the, the problem, can you share an example or two of how the design thinking framework ultimately changed the course of companies that you've worked with? Certainly. And, and before I share a story, I want to just quickly tell you about the other steps so we yeah so so we figured out what we've defined what what the problem is that we want to go after and then the third step is we called ideation which is the idea of brainstorming a whole bunch of solutions and the idea is don't just choose one of them we're going to choose a number of them to see what's the best step after that is called prototype how do you make some of these ideas that you or your staff came up with tangible so you can show them to others and then test them and try them out don't try out one try out a couple don't spend a lot of time and resources on them yet. Just it's an experimentation phase. So I, I wanted to share that first. And I will share an example uh, with you. Um, and I, I was thinking about one in healthcare that could be useful. Um, we did some work years ago with a hospital in New Jersey. And leaders had a lot of ideas on how to make the patient experience better. And they said, well, geez, how could we do something creative, use design thinking? Where do you start? And they framed the question as, how do we make patients safer? And there's a whole bunch of ideas. So they said, then let's narrow it down further. Let's choose one of them. They said, let's choose the patient handoff. And they chose one specific patient handoff between the emergency department and the telemetry unit. Because a lot of breakdowns occur when a nurse passes a patient, as you know, from, from one department to another or, or to a doctor, can be a lot of stress. So here's what, here's what we did. We got some nurses from the emergency department and the telemetry department to come together and do some empathizing. And we said, let's study the best patient handoffs ever. And they went out and interviewed each other and patients and said, tell me about the best patient handoff you've ever seen. What could we learn from that so we could replicate it? And what's interesting is a byproduct of this whole process is that the staff got really excited and engaged that people were asking them for ideas. They had all these solutions bubbling up. They came up with a ton of ideas. They chose five to prototype, um, narrowed it down, one was having a, a standard welcome script for patients when you hand them off from one department to another. Um, and they did some nurse shadowing. That was one of the big ones I'll share that they took nurses from the ED and they spent a shift in the, um, in the telemetry unit. 
and nurses from the telemetry unit spent a shift working alongside someone in the ED. The idea was to learn what's going through their world so they could better empathize with them. And I tell you, those, those telemetry staff, when they got into the ED, they were going to plan to be there for the day. They were there for two hours and they said, I get it. Wow, you have got a hard job. Next time I pass a patient to you, I'm not going to be so abrupt. Now we have a relationship. I've got empathy. I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to understand the challenges you're going through. That's very, very, very difficult. So that's one example. They redesigned that handoff. Then they scaled it to every handoff in the whole hospital and ended up taking it out to the whole hospital system, about eight or 10 different hospitals using the same methodology and approach. How did that ultimately affect from a, a long-term, you know, so they, they work together, obviously, which is fantastic. They empathized, they, they ideated, they, they prototyped these new ideas, they figured out what worked. In the end, how did it change the whole function of the health system in the hospital? Yeah, so I, I we I can happy to point to users that want to see a case study and see the metrics. I can I can share that with you at the end. But they measured patient satisfaction and nurse satisfaction and a whole bunch of other metrics that went up. And it's interesting that nurse satisfaction went up because that's not what they were going after. They were going after the, how do we improve the patient experience? Um, and it also just changed the way that leaders in the organization tried to engage their staff. Rather than pushing them to do things, they were now excited just to regularly share ideas or experiment anytime they had a new idea that they thought could make things better for the patient. So not only did it change the experience, it sounds like it changed, you know, had a culture culture shift and change as well, which ultimately benefited everybody that much more. That's that's fantastic. Yeah, that's a good way to describe it. It really is a culture change and people bring themselves to work in a very different, more, more positive way. Now, outside of the hospital setting that you just mentioned, you've worked with a number of large corporates and nonprofit entities in the eye care space specifically, like Vision Council and Think About Your Eyes. How might a small business, like an independent eye care practice, apply this framework to how they run their practices or take care of patients? Yeah, it, it is it is so applicable. Yeah. So Design thinking um, can be used to really address any kind of pain point you have, whether it be strengthening your relationship with your patients, um, increasing sales. It, it can even help with some staffing issues, right? Um, it can help you figure out what your real niche is in, in your community or market. Market better to patient, get repeat business, right? So, so I would ask you to think about what's the thing that's keeping you up at night? What's the thing that's on your mind that's keeping you up at night? If you got it, Go ahead and talk about that with your staff. Do, do they see it as a problem, right? Um, is it something else? And, and craft it into a question, right? How might we get patients to visit us annually, right? How could maybe it's something about processing paperwork more efficiently? How might we process paperwork more efficiently? You want to frame it as a question that allows you to come up with a whole bunch of solutions. Maybe it's how can we get patients to complete this online questionnaire before they even come in, right? Um, the idea is to really explore, learn more about the problem. It, there's a lot of different ways you could get at that. What if the challenge happens to be the staff and the team? Because that that is a big challenge that a lot of our our listeners face. How might how might they apply the framework in that context? Yeah. So you know, for for personnel issues, I I think we as leaders and, and managers need to be able to have frank conversations with people set clear expectations, do some coaching, 
support one another. Those are just good communication leadership skills. Design thinking is complementary in that, in that sometimes relationships shift if you can engage people in new ways. So if you were to hang up a whiteboard with one of your challenges on it and ask uh, your staff to any time they got an idea to write down what it is, you would have different conversations with them. Rather than every conversation talking about what they're doing wrong, now you're exploring possibilities about how to make the workplace a better place, how to improve sales, how to make the experience better for patients and those kinds of things. I love that. So I suppose that's that's a, a, a good piece of advice and one of our, a good takeaway for our, our listeners today is to get a whiteboard, post it somewhere in the common room and make it a free, say, anonymous idea board and just engage the staff to and, and the team members to put ideas of how we can make things better and, and improve upon any area that maybe the owner or office manager may be unaware that's it, that it's an issue and it might just change the culture and might change team dynamics a bit. I love it. I'll add to it. Don't make it anonymous. Um, okay. A lot of organizations talk about doing anonymous surveys and you would think that's a good thing to do. However, if you want to build trust, you want people to have frank, honest conversations. So I, I would encourage people to put their name on it. And if they're not willing to, eventually, hopefully they're going to come around and do that. But you're trying to strengthen relationships across everyone. I love it. No, that's a fantastic point. That's uh, I, I appreciate that. That's fantastic. Now, Mike, our listeners, they're, they're busy taking care of patients. They're, they're likely to feel that they, they don't have a lot of time to walk through this entire five-step process just to address one of their, their pain points. Now, I do, I love the question, what keeps you up at night? Because even if it's not the top challenge, it's going to be the top one or two challenges that you're facing because it's going to resonate that deeply, you know, if it's keeping you up at night. So what are two or three things that our listeners can do this week to start taking advantage of the power of design thinking? Great. And, and one thing I'll say is you don't have to create more work for yourself. Do what you're already doing, but maybe do some things a little bit differently. So you're talking to staff, but you might talk to them about something a little bit differently. You could do it in a group, do it one-on-one. -on -one. I shared one idea of putting up the whiteboard. But one question you might ask them is, what's on your mind? You know, and, and what's an opportunity where you think we can do better? And just pause and let them speak. And be ready when they share an idea, not to, not to knock it down and say, don't work. Because Justin, you tell me the minute you say, um, that idea will never work, you know, what's gonna happen? I'm gonna shut down. I'm not gonna bring any new ideas ever again. Exactly, right, right on. So you wanna say, that's interesting. Tell me more about that, draw them out. Um, if they don't say anything, say anything because you normally don't ask these kinds of questions, say, what's something you've been thinking about but really haven't told anyone yet at work? Something that bugs you, gets in the way, or an idea you had. What do you got in mind? And if they don't say anything, if they say, I don't have anything, you say, are you sure you don't have any ideas you thought about that we might do to make things just a little bit better? Ask it a couple different ways. I think you'll be surprised. So that's one. Um, two, if you already have an idea, and I'm sure you've been thinking about some ideas, but maybe you're not sure how to do it, go tell your staff what it is. You might tell them, hey, here's a challenge that I'm seeing. Do you see that too? Here's an idea I had to address it, but I'm curious if you have something better or differently. You might have two ideas you can mesh together. So one is drawing on them, two is one of your own. Three, talk with your patients about it. 
shift your conversation. You might be able to ask them something differently that you normally don't ask them. Ask them what, ask them directly, you know, um, why did you, why are you, I mean, you probably find out why they're there, why they're here and why they made the appointment, but ask them, when did you first think about making your appointment to come in here? And if they tell you a year ago, say, that's interesting. What happened between a year ago and today? So I can understand the driver of this. Because maybe they said it was too inconvenient about your hours. Well, gee, what can we do to make it more convenient? Who knows what's going to emerge from that? But dig deep and don't pay, take the patient's word for what it is. Act curious, act dumb and say, I don't understand. What do you mean by that? You've been thinking about this for a year and you suddenly made the appointment. So th those are three things that I might I might do that to, to put this into practice very quickly. Those are fantastic ideas. I think one of the points that you mentioned that I think is 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 critical is allowing that silence. I think as leaders and practice owners, it's it's very easy to think that we have to have all of the answers and that silence is uncomfortable. Really taking this approach offloads some of that responsibility, makes our lives a little bit easier and engages the team to start solving problems that we as a, as a business, as a practice have. And then and I, I read that from a psychological standpoint that silence, we know silence is uncomfortable, but if you force yourself to stay in silence, it, it's far more likely that your team member, your staff member is going to fill that silence because they're going to be as equally uncomfortable and the conversation can continue to evolve because of that. No question. That silence is powerful. And I tell you, it's even going to be more awkward for you than it is for them. Because if you're asking them a question, they're busy, their head is going and they're trying to think of a response. That time is going by quickly. It's going to feel long for you, but yeah, it'll lead to such great outcomes in dialogue. So I, I, I must admit, I selfishly invited you on the podcast because of some of the, the passions that I have for design thinking as a process and have used it in practice myself. And I'll, I'll share just briefly with our listeners. So prior to joining HEA, I helped build a specialty contact lens practice based, and, and I'll admit, I didn't know that I was using design thinking at, at the beginning. I only found out that after the fact that we kind of took this approach. But we built a specialty contact lens practice based on understanding the, the experiences of individuals with keratoconus, with individuals with corneal degeneration. And to summarize some of that empathizing, that first piece briefly, you know, I, I paid attention to some of the social media groups that, uh, the support groups on social media. And ultimately the biggest things that people in those groups were complaining about, yes, the vision, the, the issues that, you know, not being able to see was, was a big pain point, but the bigger pain points were not being understood by their doctor and certainly by their family and friends, how they needed specialty contact lenses. And, and ultimately, you know, they, they became a burden from all the visits to the doctors. And then they had issues from doctor to doctor. And ultimately what we determined was the biggest challenge or the biggest problem. We reframed, I suppose, the problem to indicate that or, or to summarize it individuals with keratoconus just want to be known and understood. And then ultimately what their experience is like with their specialty contact lenses, without their specialty contact lenses. And so we reframed the patient experience to treat them not as a burden, but we treated them as the, you know, almost on par with our premium cataract IOL patients, our, our LASIK consults, our cash pay exam type patients. 
And it was a phenomenal experience. So I, I can tell you that it works in practice, uh, but I, I, I just, I think it's a phenomenal approach to take. And, and Mike, I really appreciate you sharing such great wisdom with us. So for practice and business owners interested in learning more, where do you recommend that they start? Sure. Uh, I'll share uh, a couple of books, podcasts, you know, a, a good book just about design thinking in general is called Change by Design by Tim Brown of IDEO. And IDEO is, is really one of the founders of, of the movement and, and is popularized uh, called Change by Design. They also have a nice podcast uh, for our podcast listeners called uh, the Creative Confidence Podcast. And they bring on other leaders like you and like myself that share stories about how they've applied design thinking in their organization on a daily basis. Um, also, you can reach out to us at Engage Strategies. Follow me on LinkedIn. I share stories and articles from time to time. Fantastic. Mike, I really appreciate you being on uh, the Practice Advantage podcast. This has been fantastic. And I know our, our listeners have gained a lot just by learning about this new framework. It's not new framework, but learning about this problem-solving framework here at the Practice Advantage podcast, we believe that leaders are readers. What are you currently reading? I, I love that uh, leaders are readers. <laughs> um, yeah, so I, I wish I could say they're all design thinking and innovation and, and improvement books, but they're not all, but there are some of them. Um, I, I'm reading the biography of John Adams by David McCullough. But in this past year of so much politics in the news, I got thinking, I don't know much about the second president of the United States. So um and you know, one of the fascinating things is the stories between uh, between John Adams and his wife. Just just remarkable. So that's one of them I'm reading. Uh, business one, I'm reading the Platform Revolution by uh, Jeff Parker, and it's all about the dynamics and network effects about how how platform businesses operate, like Uber, Amazon. What what makes them spin? What makes them work? So those are two that are on my on my list right now. I'm working through. That's fantastic. Yeah, those are great books. And uh, we'll put a link to those in our show notes for today. Well, Mike, like I said, I can't thank you enough for being on the Practice Advantage podcast with us uh, and sharing a just a whole new way of thinking about the challenges, problems and opportunities that our listeners may face. Uh, we will put a number of these things in the show notes for, for our listeners, as well as links to those books and resources, uh, as well as ways to follow Mike and what Engage Strategies are doing in the design thinking space. So thanks, Mike. We really appreciate you being with us. Thank you so much. It was a pleasure to be here. If you've enjoyed the Practice Advantage podcast, please subscribe and leave us a review. And if you want to learn more about HEA's exclusive monthly subscription-based Practice Advantage consulting program powered by Williams Group, give us a call at 1-800-959-2020, option three, and your first month is free. Start designing your life and what your practice can do for that life today. See you next time.